Amen. Get your Bibles open to the book of Daniel. As we conclude our sermon series called Citizen Christian, we'll open to the book of Daniel to see a Christian in a kingdom that was of this world representing the kingdom not of this world. Daniel chapter 1 and 2. As I said, this will conclude our our, uh, sermon series called Citizen Christian. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll begin a sermon series uh, about Advent uh, called Living in Between. And actually, Lindsay Lane East, Lindsay Lane North, and Lindsay Lane Main will all be going through that same uh, sermon series as we... um, as we start that next Sunday and so get through Thanksgiving and then turn the page towards Christmas. Amen. And we, uh, we look forward to that. Uh, let me pray once more and then we're going to just dive right into uh, Daniel chapters one and chapters two. Lord, once again, thank you, Father, for today. There's a sweet spirit in this place. And uh, we're so grateful, Lord, of, of who you are. Thank you for the time of, of praise and worship and pray, oh God, that our heart and mind was dedicated to you during that time. Lord, we thank you for those that prepared and led us. We thank you, Father, for those that are serving in our children's ministry and student ministries this morning, God. Those that have, have given their time uh, to see to it that others are discipled and ministered to. And we pray, oh God, that you would bless their efforts this morning. God, I, th- I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into all truth, away from ourselves and closer to you. Lord, if there be anyone here that, that needs to be right with you, God. It is, they're, maybe they're walking within a guilty distance, or Lord, they, they truly need to be in a right relationship with you. We pray that that would happen today, soon and very soon. And again, Lord, we are just thankful for your word, that you have revealed yourself to us this way. And Lord, may we treasure it and live by it. Lead us now as we talk and as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel was a young noble man. Daniel was a strong, healthy man, young man. The Bible tells us that Daniel was good looking. That's what it says in chapter one, just of note, if you care. Daniel was, if, if Daniel was in an annual or a yearbook, he would be featured uh, during the uh, who's who part of it as a senior as most likely to succeed. This is Daniel. And this is Daniel, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are four Hebrew boys, really, boys. And, and they are with great potential to do great things for the kingdom of God. There's just one problem. There's one challenge. Daniel and the other guys are captives in a foreign kingdom. If you look in Daniel chapter 1, you'll see that Daniel belongs to God's Old Testament people, Israel. He is... He is a part of that covering people that God has made a covenant with to introduce himself to the world. But what's more than that, because a lot of people that belonged to Israel were not devoted to God. But Daniel was. Daniel was devoted to the Lord. But again, the challenge was he was a captive to a foreign kingdom. God's people had been taken over by an empire called Babylon. Yes, God's people were taken over. Because God is a just God. And there's real consequences for sin. Are you hearing me? There are real consequences for real sin. And God's people were taken over because God is just. Israel had invited idolatry. They had neglected the Sabbath. And God was serious about those things. 
Those were his people. And so when they broke those parts of their responsibility, he allowed a brokenness in their land for a time to remove them from that land for a time. And this is a good reminder for us all who think that we'll just slide by. God is just. We will reap what we sow. So maybe it's time to sow something else, something different. Amen. So this ruler of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, and every time I think about King Nebuchadnezzar, I had a buddy in high school that he was in home economics. And, you know, when you're in home ec, they give you either an egg or a sack of flour. And that's your baby or whatever for like a week's time, and you're supposed to take care of it. And you got to name your baby. And my friend named his baby King Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) Every time I see his name in Scripture, I think of a sack of flour in home economics. King, King Nebuchadnezzar decided to take the best and the brightest men, young men of Judah. And he was going to, remember, he's not going to take the old guys because the old guys are setting their ways. So he takes the young guys, real young, and he begins to mold them. And he's molding them into the best and brightest servants in his kingdom. What he's trying to do is he's trying to take advantage of the youth of the Hebrew nation. And he's trying to flip them for the glory of Babylon. He's trying to take take these that are young in their culture and turn them over to be great additions to the glory of an earthly kingdom. Daniel, Hananiah, Bisael, Azariah, these are all names that I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing them right, but you don't either, so it doesn't matter. So these, these are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel, they would rename him Belteshazzar. These are four young men of Israel. They're to be trained for three years, and then they are to enter the royal service and to serve in a kingdom that's of this world. Now, what we got here is very much like a scene from It's a Wonderful Life. I love It's a Wonderful Life. Seriously, it's like my favorite movie ever. Don't judge me, all right? Black and white, I know that, but man, like I I love this movie. Watch it every Christmas. And there's a scene in there where you've got George Bailey who represents the old town favorite building and loan. That's a dying business, but it's filled with purpose and value. And he is there before Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter is the the adversary. He represents all that's bad in the world, right? And Mr. Potter is sitting across from him and he's trying to take over the town. And he's taking advantage of George Bailey, who's fallen on some hard times. And so he extends an offer to him that will change his life. A career opportunity that will change his family forever. And all he's got to do is just compromise his values. And there's this recognition from George Bailey as he extends his hand to shake Mr. Potter's hand. He's like, he looks at his hand and he's like, no, what, what am I doing? Because in order, in order for him to truly do this, he, he would be compromising all that he believes in. Well, this is what Daniel is living in. He is living in a crossroads kind of moment. And I would say to, to when we start talking about crossroads moments, we may have all had those in our lives, but most of the time it's not really a big crossroads moment. It's just everyday decision. It's just little by little. If we make little by little decisions based on biblical convictions, we will begin to make big decisions based on biblical convictions. Now, Daniel found himself at this crossroads. It's it's not about whether he's going to take the position for the king or not, because the king is like, you're going to take it 
right? This is what you're going to do as a captive to Babylon. This is about whether or not Daniel will stay true to his convictions within this circumstance. You see, Daniel's, Daniel's not being trained to honor the Hebrew nation, the people of God within this kingdom. They are not giving any thought to making sure that the kingdom of Judah is withheld and, and there's an inclusive statement to make sure that, that Judah is going to be recognized. They don't care about that. They want the glory of Babylon. So they're going to flip these guys to represent that. And, and this service required Daniel to change a lot of things. Daniel would have to learn a new language, the Bible says. It says that he would have to learn new literature, they were all given new names to represent Babylonian culture. And they even had to have a different diet. Had to start eating differently to reflect the culture of this Babylonian empire. And that kingdom made no apologies to change them away from everything that they've ever known. The world will do the same. This world will not make any apologies to sway you away from your faith. Don't care about that. That's, that's the nature of the world. This is what, again, I'm going to mention two scriptures here that we've looked at recently because the, the Spirit of God put these on my mind and heart again to look back at. Speaking of, of 1 John chapter 2 and what the world offers, the world offers only a craving. It doesn't offer satisfaction. It just offers a craving for, for pride and possessions and everything we see and pleasure for shiny stuff that we all like. And the world offers this, but it makes no apologies when we give ourselves over to it and we find out that that's not what we wanted all along. The world don't care about that, just wants you on the side. It's also worth mentioning that Jesus said in John chapter 18, verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, if you are in the kingdom of God, your literature, your voice, your name, your, your communication, your education, all these things, your language, your culture is different than the culture of the world. That's who, that's who we are. It's just different than the culture of the world. So, so the faithful follower really has this decision to make as we see Daniel in this crossroads moment. We really have a decision to make. Will the, will the world influence me or will I will influence the world? We make that decision every day. Will, will the world influence me, change me away from everything that I think I believe in? Because I'll find out real quick when I have to make a decision about it. Or will I be a light in this world? Will I influence the world. Now, here's the first major takeaway from today. I want you to notice verse 8. Verse 8 says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. See, what's going on here is the, the king, as part of the training for these four Hebrew boys, he would have them do everything from read their own literature to eat the food out of his kitchen. And so when the food was set down before Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel basically sat back and go, not going to do this. The scripture says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Determined not to defile himself means this. Take this note down. Daniel made the decision before the decision ever came. He already decided what he would do if the situation ever presented itself to him. That's one of the most important takeaways you can get today. It's to make your decisions before the, the situation is presented. The word determine literally means set upon his heart. This is what I will do. It refers to inner resolve. And this is more than just a food choice, right? This is more than just a preference of food. Like, I've already made the decision in my heart. If we go to a restaurant and you set oysters down before me, I'm not going to eat those things. 
It's nasty things. I'm not going to eat those things. Everybody that eat, eats oysters is always like, yeah, man, put a little horseradish and hot sauce on them. I'm like, you're drowning out the taste of the thing. So I've made this principle stand not to eat this terrible texture food. I've already decided it. But that's not what we're looking at here. This is more of a, a decision with foundation. This, this has purpose. It has principle. And here it is. God gave his Old Testament people what is called the law. When you hear in, in church, when we talk about the law and what that means, what law are you talking about? Well, God gave his Old Testament people, Israel, what is called the law, beginning with the Ten Commandments and then the other precedents presented and other parts of the Old Testament, specifically in Leviticus. And he did so because God wanted to have relationship with his people. So in order to, for a holy God to do that with his people, he set up riverbanks. He set up boundaries that they must live within. And this law also included a system of sacrifice to atone for the sins because they weren't, they weren't always going to get it right. So God made a way for there to be relationship, right relationship between them and him. And in Leviticus, part of the law that was given unto Israel says in Leviticus 3.17, you must never eat any fat or blood. This is a permanent law for you and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. So Daniel took this rule seriously. Yes, he did. But it was a whole lot more than just legalism. Like God said, do this. We don't even know why. We'll just do this. Because we hope to be right. That was not what it was about. Leviticus chapter 7 verse 25 says, anyone who, eats fat, anyone who eats fat from an animal presented as a special gift to the Lord will be cut off from the community. So Daniel sits down. They put something down in front of him. Obviously, it's a rare steak bleeding and all kinds of fat on it, whatever. I don't know what it was. But what, down, what was down in front of him went against the law of the Lord that bound the people of God to God. And Daniel, strong in his faith, already made that decision, will not happen. Because if you read what we just read in the scripture, part of that fat of the animal, the blood of the animal, was to be a peace offering gift to the Lord. So when the plate got down in front of him, Daniel was like, that don't belong to me. That belongs to the Lord. You're going to have to give us something else. This was his biblical conviction. Now, he probably didn't say it like that. But obviously... This was not just about an outside of the diet. We want something different. It was not about a preference. A lot of commentaries would tell you that, that this food was offered to idols. And so that's why they refrained from it. I believe that they believe this was to be dedicated to the Lord and to the Lord only. So, so Daniel has an offer to move up. He has an offer to be safe, to be higher up, to take care of him and what would be his family for a long time. But it would require him to give up his convictions. Citizen Christians, our culture is going to give us plenty of crossroads decisions every day. And we're going to find out what we believe real quick when we are before those decisions. Daniel thought more about what God thought about him than what everybody else did. Daniel thought more about what God thought of him than his own personal well-being. If Daniel refused to eat what was before him, it may be off with his head for real. But Daniel thought more of what God thought rather than the fear of what could be done to him. Daniel thought more about what God thought than what others say. This is, listen, this really does. If we have teenagers, college students, they, I would even say middle school students, this is going to minister today and it's meant to. But it's not, listen, we still face this stuff. Being one of the guys is always going to be an issue for the guys. Always. 
So there's always going to be this thing like, oh, little Hebrew boy, huh? Little Hebrew boys can't eat out of the king's kitchen. You're too good to eat from this kitchen, aren't you? And Daniel's like, I don't care about none of that you're saying. This is what I believe. This is what we're going with. I think God, for example, is like that. Man, I want to be that guy. Amen? Because Daniel feared God more than the words of others. Daniel feared God more than he feared the king of one of the most powerful empires in all of history. <laughs> he was like, listen, this is what's interesting. Daniel's name actually means God is my judge. God is my judge. Daniel was the kind of guy that wouldn't get invites to certain places. They wouldn't ask him to go with them because they already knew the answer. He's not going to go. We're not going to ask him. You know, Daniel. Daniel was the kind of guy that would not be offered certain indulgences because they already knew he wouldn't take it. He had already determined in his heart who he would be. He had purposed himself, what he would do and what he would not do. He stood on biblical conviction. Daniel did not hear the issue and then go to the law. Daniel already knew the law to address the issue. Ah, hear that. Daniel was, Daniel was the guy that other guys would go to and say, what does the law say about this? Because they knew that he knew. And he would answer. This is, this is who Daniel is. I, Daniel wasn't just a guy that knew the word of God. He believed the word of God. He devoted himself to almighty God. So, so when the situation presented itself to him that rivaled the values of God, Daniel's response was not, well, what should we do? Daniel's response was, okay, we are going to do this. So what are we going to do? See, this was not a question of values. This was just a question of logistics for him. We know we're not going to do this. So what will we do? Hands down, best decision I've ever made in my life outside of Jesus is Brittany King. Hands down. My wife is the best decision I've ever made. I, in college, before, way before college, I'd purposed in my heart what I hoped to be the character of my wife. When I met Brittany, it wasn't a decision of values. It was just like logistics. When are we going to make this happen? <laughs> After two dates, I was like, we just, I guess we need to go and get the calendar together and now, I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me. I hope she felt the same, but I know how I felt, right? <laughs> I know how I felt. It, we, we, we waited because, I mean, if I could go back, I'd be like, we could got to get married on day three probably, and I'd been fine with that. But the, the, the values were already in place. I'd already purposed in my heart. And so after that, it's just about logistics. It's just about what will we do now. Parents, do you know how old Daniel was when he determined not to defile himself before the king? Most commentaries would suggest around 15 years old. Let that sink in just a minute. When the scripture says young men, it refers to a man at the age of 15 that would stand down the king based upon his faith in God and what he knew to be true of God. This 15-year-old kid was so influenced by the word of God and rooted in his faith that he worked around by the wisdom of God, a direct order from the king. Are you hearing me? Middle school kids, high school kids, college kids. This is why the scripture says, don't look, then let them look down on you because you're young. Cause we're still talking about this teenage kid this morning. Now, I don't know that I really have to bring out any other sentences to help us understand the urgency to train up our children. But since I'm up here, I'll give it a shot. Parents, grandparents, adults, 
Hey, everybody, we have to have biblical convictions. We have to have and own biblical convictions and not just have them and own them and talk about them. We have to model them. We have to model biblical convictions and we need to see to it that our biblical convictions are supplemented by others who share the same conviction. The church is not to establish biblical convictions for your kids. The home is to establish biblical convictions for your kids. The church is to come alongside of you. Place number one and to supplement what you are doing. Did you know we have ministries here? We have a staff, we have multiple staff members here. What they do all day long and get paid for is to think about how to supplement your home to develop your kids to be a Daniel that will stand on biblical conviction before the world. That's what they're paid to do. That's why we have these things during the week and why we have them on Sunday morning. That's why we have a, a Christian academy, the school ministry of this church. That's why we have ministry to the schools outside of this church in the community because we are trying to develop Daniels. Children, students, young folks that would stand on biblical conviction. And when the world comes, they will not cower down. And there'll be a light in the world instead of just going, now what are we going to do about that? They already know before they get there. And this can be done, by the way. It can be done. You know, I think about myself. I think about when I was a kid. I think about my children now that are just like everybody else's kids that know everything in the world before the age of 15. Right? And I was the same way. My dad and mom finally got to the point where they would just be sometimes like, well, go on and try it, big man. Right? You just go on and give it a shot. And, and, and so this is, this, is what, this is what I'm doing now for us all. Kids, this is what your parents are doing now for you. They are trying their best to pour in truth into your life so you will know what is deception when you're in the world. But I will tell you this. You get to a point where God will certainly toss you the keys if you think you can drive it better. Just like Israel was experiencing. They were experiencing this. And we're not going to be able to separate our children from the world. And goodness, I hope we don't want to. Why would we try to separate our children from the world when God has told us that we're supposed to make disciples that go into the world? To change things, to be an agent of change, to be light in the darkness, not to put a bubble around them. We're to train them up, equip them. Children, we're to be equipped so that we can be trained up, and then we're to go out and make a difference. Daniel didn't hide in his closet all day long. He got out there and mixed it up, man, based on the convictions of God Almighty. The rest of the chapter one, it goes like this. God gave Daniel favor with the attendants. God was working. God works on behalf of his people. And when we're obedient, God's going to use that obedience to do a lot of stuff. And Daniel was, was faithful. And, and then God gave Daniel favor with the, with the chief of staff and the kitchen staff. And he allowed them to eat the diet that was permissible by God under the law at that time. And then they proved to be stronger and healthier than all the other dudes that were there. And with God's help, they begin to enter into the royal services, step above of all the others. God was taking care of them. And God was working on something bigger than even what we see right here. 
Now let's transition to chapter two. It's ambitious to try to tackle two chapters in Daniel when you could preach like a whole six months series on this. But since we're here, we go to chapter two. When you transition to chapter two, because chapter one is about the responsible Christian in the culture, chapter two is about God's sovereignty over the world. In chapter two, you're going to find the Babylonian empire was not all converted to Christianity after Daniel's principled stand. It was still struggling because the man in leadership was not a man after God's heart. He was a man after his own vain glory. And King Nebuchadnezzar began having some troubling dreams. He was insomniac. That's right, isn't it? He's insomniac. Yes, my staff is confirming that. Thank you, Brother Randy. He was insomniac. He couldn't sleep and he was having terrible dreams. And now he had a, a team of sorcerers and magicians and astrologers and enchanters. And I don't even know what enchanters are. That sounds really weird. What do you do for a living? I'm an enchanter. That's so he had all of these guys that he surrounded himself with and they were to be the wise men of the kingdom. And in fact, Daniel and his buddies also belong to that wise men group. And with these dreams, the, the king, when, when he had these terrible dreams, in order to figure out what they meant, he went to all of the smart people and said this, I've had terrible dreams and I need you to interpret them. But first, you've got to tell me what the dream is and then interpret it. Now, that's real logical, isn't it? I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You're so smart, guys. I need you to tell me what it is and then tell me what it means. Great leadership decision. That's weird. And, and so, obviously, all of the smart guys he's got around him were saying, nobody can do this, man. Nobody can tell you what your dreams are. So, so because the, the wisest could not deliver on this, the king made another rational decision. All y'all going to get killed in. Off with their head. Y'all are not smart. You told me you were. You can't tell me what my dreams are. Is that so unreasonable for me to ask? You're astrologers and enchanters. So they couldn't, they couldn't tell him. And so he says, so this is kill all of them because they're not worth their salt. Well, here's the problem. Daniel and the others were considered wise men too. So let's pick this up in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And the scripture says, And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. And when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Lord, would you take us the rest of the way, clear our minds from distraction. Help us to hear and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Listen, what we're learning this morning is how to be an agent of change that represents the Lord Jesus Christ in the culture we're in. And he handled this situation, which is a big deal, with wisdom and discretion. And for the rest of our time, we're going to see how this happened. The first thing we need to see is this. Daniel kept good relationships. He kept great relationships. Verse 13 says that men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. But it wasn't just a random soldier or a guardsman that showed up at the door. It was the commander of the king's guard. Almost like they all start rushing out and he says, yep, I'll get them. But hey, let me go to see Daniel. Because God had given Daniel favor. Remember in chapter one with the chief of staff stands very much the reason that he had given Daniel favor with the king, uh, the king's commander of his guard. So the commander of the very guard goes to Daniel and he doesn't knock down the door and take a spear and thrust it through him. 
they have a conversation. They actually have a, a conversation. Look at the scripture. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them in verse 14, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh dec- decree? Excuse me. So Arioch told him all that had happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Daniel wasn't out to please people. He wasn't out to seek the approval of people, but he obviously was living right with people. He was building relationships. He was extending forgiveness and grace. He had good form and said, good morning, good night, good evening. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Please. He was trustworthy. What he said he would do, he delivered on that. When they asked him to do one thing or another, he said he would and respectfully did it. He had a good relationship with these folks. In fact, basically what I see here is what we've been reading for the last month out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Respect everyone, love the church, fear God, respect the king. That's Daniel. That's what he was doing. And so he kept good relationships with everybody that he was around. Living right and treating people right goes a long way to listening to the mouth and the message that you got. Just, just doing right by people, being nice to people. Do you know people remember the people that are nice? And, and a lot of times they may disagree with your doctrine, but if you love them and treat them the way that God treats us, boy, they'll start giving some thought to what you believe. This is what we see here as Daniel is keeping these, these good relationships. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Daniel had the clout with the relationship with this man to have a conversation and then make a decision to go and see the king. I had a conversation with a church member recently. We were talking about how we ended up doing what we're doing. We talk about education and all these things, what you major in, you know, the normal conversation that you have. It's amazing to see how many people end up doing the career that they did not study for, right? I mean, like, seriously, like, I don't know the stats, but it seems like half the people I talk to got a degree in one thing and do something completely different. And, and, and so the takeaway that we came away with that conversation is if you're going to major in anything, you need to major in relationships. You need to major in associations and keeping good people around you. I can't do anything with my hands. I'm a terrible handyman. I told my son the other day, I said, son, if you're going to be like me, you better have good relationships and a lot of buddies because I can't do nothing. I can't talk. I don't know what I'd be able to do. So you keep good relationships so those people will help you and so that you can help them. A word of wisdom says the major needs to be relationships. The minor needs to be the education. Daniel kept good relationships. Secondly, Daniel kept his head. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. Now, he literally kept his head, but he figuratively kept his head. Daniel handled it with wisdom and discretion. I want to break that down. What does that look like to handle something like this with wisdom and discretion? Well, first, he asked questions for understanding. Guy comes in. He's got a look on his face like, this ain't going to get good for you, man. He says, well, tell me what this is about. Instead of getting all fired up and ready, he, he throws up, he throws up instead of a defensive emotion, he begins to throw up questions and just ask him, what's going on? The king was ready to kill everybody. The state was breathing down his neck. Emotions are high. And even still, Daniel is slow to anger, slow to speak, quick to listen. He resists the coming invasion with a question. 
We can learn this within our relationships. It's really like small kids. Small kids get in the emotions of everything, and then it becomes, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Like, that's the, that's the back and forth. Instead of going, listen, what I was trying to do was, can you imagine our children at their age asking those questions? Proverbs chapter 17, verse 19 says, anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Hey, stop the drama. Stop the drama on social media. Stop it. You love, you love drama on social media, you love to sin. That's what the Bible says. You got drama in your family and you're the cause of it, quit. Bible says if you don't quit, you love to sin. You're bringing sin to your relationships. Stop it. A lot of times we get involved in these things because we don't have enough to do. Do something that makes a difference. Stop bringing up drama between everybody. Don't have drama in here because there's not supposed to be any. It's supposed to be unity. You bring up drama in this place, you're in sin. That's what the Bible says. Are you hearing me? Let's be light on social media. Let's be light in the world. Quit trying to bring a fight. I mean, the, the song, Break Up With Your Girlfriend Because I'm Bored, that's a terrible song. That's a terrible song. Man, some of y'all are like, amen. Some of y'all are like, what is that? I don't even know. I mean, you think about what the world is saying. Like, I don't have time. I mean, like, I'm bored, so I'm going to divide somebody's house. Like, I'm going to break some. That's drama. Quit. If you, if you love that, you love to sin. Boy, that was way out of there. Then, then listen, look, so he asks questions for understanding, and then he goes to the king with whom he has a good relationship because the wise man approaches the king. He goes to the king, like before him, and asks him a question. The king's like, I said exactly what I meant. You don't give me the answer, you're going down. Daniel's like, that's all I need to know, appreciate it. What Daniel did was, instead of hearing it from someone else, he went to the source in wisdom to ask him what he said. Y'all heard what the king said? Let me tell you what he said. Did you ask him? No, somebody else told me. Oh, that's sound. He went straight to him and asked him. Also, he didn't put it off because to put it off would have been off with his head. So he dealt with the situation directly instead of just letting it get worse. The conversation you think you need to have, you need to have. Go ahead and deal with it. This is the wisdom and discretion that Daniel had. Now, finally, Daniel kept good relationship. He kept his head but most importantly, he kept his faith. Remember last week when we talked about the what to do and we said prayer is the what to do? Daniel, they're coming to kill us. Well, I bought us some more time. Great. What should we do? Hey, get the brass knuckles and the throwing stars. Yeah, let's don't do that yet. Let's don't do that yet. You're right, it's too small. Get the grenades and the Gatling guns, right? No. Well, what should we do? Let's run. That's, we need to pack our bags right now and get out of here. Guys, we're not going to do that. Well, then tell us, wise one, what are we going to do? We're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to circle up and we're going to pray for real. And we're not going to talk about praying and, and pray like we've heard praying before. We're going to pour our house, hearts out before God urgently. And we're going to talk to the God of heaven. Look what the scripture says in verse 17. Verse 16 says, Daniel went at once to see the king, requested more time. That's wise, isn't it? 
requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. You see, Daniel could have like poisoned the king's drink. Or Daniel could have started making deals behind the king's back. Maybe he tried to flip Arioch. Maybe, maybe Daniel could have tried his best to get inside the head of the king and said, okay, well, what your, what your thoughts were, uh, your dream was this, because it was this, it, he could have been manipulative. Daniel could have, have left town, but all those things are outside of God's character. You see that? All that's outside of God's character. He's a follower of Christ. He is a, he is a God-honoring man. So even his response to his very life is not outside the character of God. He keeps, he keeps his faith. With the time he had, Daniel went to God. He led others to do the same, urgently to pray. Because never once did Daniel think that God would not honor his request. Complete faith in what God would do. Had the same thing in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel in the lion's den. I love the picture. Daniel standing there like, y'all going to let me out of here. They're not going to come and get me. Like he's already, he's already prayed. God's already taken care of that. Close the lion's mouth. Full expectation that God would deliver now or in eternity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? They're, they're going into the fiery furnace. They wouldn't bow down to an idol. One of my favorite passages in scripture. They basically stand up before the leadership and say, God's going to get us out of here. But even if he doesn't, but even if he don't, gosh, I love that passage of scripture. Even if he don't, we're going to bust heaven wide open. And so then what we see here in verse 10, the astrologers, the astrologers say to the guided king, no one on earth can tell the king what his dream is. You're right. Nobody on earth can tell that. Nobody on earth can do something like that. You see, the title used for God in chapter 2 is God of heaven. God of heaven. Well, the astrologers were seeking the wisdom of the moon, sun, and stars. And Daniel's like, that's all well and good. I'm going to seek the one who made all that stuff. I'm going to the guy who's over all that. And that's why I know my prayers will be heard. God will deliver. The Babylonians worship the sun they worshiped the sun, the moon and the stars. These were the gods of the hometown men. But Daniel's resource, God of heaven. His God and our God are not, the, not different things. That's the key. We're not praying to someone different than that. Is God still not capable of all these things? This is who we are talking to when we pray. God of heaven, who's over all of it. He either makes it happen or allows it. This is God. So when we pray, this is who we talk to. Verse 18 and 19, he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with all the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. It's that simple, that serious. A couple weeks ago, I wanted to go to a sporting event. That sporting event was on a Friday night. I realized that because of the coronavirus, they were going to dwindle that down to about 20% capacity. Now, that was happening Friday night, and I was considering all this on Thursday. It's about right, isn't it? So I'm thinking, well, how am I going to get in? And I wasn't the only one that was thinking, how am I going to get in? 
And people start talking about, well, I guess I could go online or maybe I could talk to this somebody else and somebody that. And then I remembered I have a relationship with the coach. I text the coach and he said, yeah, just be here at this gate and I'll let you in. So instead of talking to everybody else, what we're going to do, I thought to myself, I'll just ask the guy who's got the keys to the gate. And when you have a relationship with the guy who's got the keys to the gate, he can get you in no problem. That's why you need to have a relationship with the guy who's got the keys to the gate. Who is the gate? If we ever think we get to the place where prayer is not enough, we've gotten to the place where we think we can fix everything without God. That is a dangerous place, church. That's a dangerous place. If we want real change in our life, we want real change in our culture, I really believe it begins with us praying. Because when we pray and then work, God gets the glory and we don't, and we get to give it to him because he's the one that is doing this in the world for his glory because his glory works for our good. As one pastor said, I'd rather have hope in what an all-powerful God can do than certainty in what I am limited to do. That's a good word. I wonder what would scare us more. I truly wonder this. I wonder what would scare us more. If somebody tried to take away our right to bear arms or if someone tried to take away our right to pray, which one would we take an upheaval up for more? I wonder which one would offend us more. Because if one offends us more than the other, it absolutely reveals what we believe. Shows our cars for sure. Y'all, there's some things, a lot of things that guns are not going to protect us from or solve. I, I, I'm with you. I believe in the right to bear arms too. I'm just telling you, we, we think about the things we can do when there's only certain things that God is going to work over. Look at how he praises God in chapter two. Praise the name of God forever and ever for he has all wisdom. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. Yeah, that's Old Testament stuff, is it? God saved me. If God saved me, I guess he can do everything else he wants to do. Everything else within his power, which is all power. So what happens? What happens is Daniel spared the wise men of the entire empire. This is what's really cool. He, God gives him the dream exactly what it is. He's going to take that dream to the king. He's going to tell him what the dream is because God's working on his behalf for his glory. And then he's going to interpret the dream because there's a big, bigger picture here. All that's going on. But then look at verse 24. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Daniel spared the life of the magicians, the sorcerers, the astrologers, and whatever the enchanters are. Daniel spared all of them too, all of the lost folks. Because just maybe all of them would see the power of God before they died. And they would look up and call upon the one true God to save them. This is the care that God has for people. God worked through Daniel to spare the life of people that did not know the Lord. Daniel could have said, they all wrong, take them out, promote us, and then I'll tell you what the interpretation is. But that's outside the character of God. And Daniel didn't do that. 
Daniel worked for the Lord's glory and the good of people. And then listen to what he says. There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I'll tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. And then he says, it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream. And because God wants you to understand, but it's because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. This was the prime time for Daniel to take all the glory. He could have had his name and lights, had his face in a cereal box, and promoting everything in the kingdom by his name. And what he does is he turns the attention before this king to the king of kings. He turns his attention. He gives the credit and all honor and all reasoning by which he has the dream to present to Almighty God, the God of heaven over all this other stuff. And this is what happens after that because we're closing it out right here, last paragraph. When he tells him the dream, this is basically in summation what he tells him. The dream is this. Your kingdom's big and bad. It's going to fall and another kingdom's going to take its place. Another kingdom... Is going to come and take that kingdom's place. And then when that kingdom rises and falls, another kingdom will take this place. And all the while, while that's all happening in this world, God is establishing an eternal kingdom. Read it. This is what's happening. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Daniel, on behalf of God, is trying to tell him, stop serving the pleasures of this world. It's a bigger picture involved, and you're not on top of it. It's the king of kings, the kingdom of God. That is the only eternal kingdom. Yes, I love our country, and a lot of other folks love their country. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be one country. It's going to be one kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Now, what you and I have to make sure of is we're in that kingdom. Because you can know the king. God loves you so much. That he gave of himself and sent his son to live a real life and to die a real death for you and for me. And in all the power of God, Jesus arose from the grave to give us all a living hope of eternal life. This is God's way of making you right with him through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, who is now has been and forever will be the king of kings. His kingdom is the only eternal kingdom. Make sure you're a part of it. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you all for being here. I want you to know now, this is a time of invitation. We just respond. We'd love for you to come to this altar. We have pastors here. Y'all, we need to be praying. We need to be praying at the altar. We need to be a praying church. I believe if we're being a praying church, God will bless this church continuously on into the future. So that's why we open up this altar at the end of the service. But we also have people here that are here to help you. If you want to join, if you want to be baptized and take that next step of obedience, if you want to become a Christian and have questions about that, that's why our pastors are here. Amen. We have counselors here. We have people here to help you to take your questions and all that. And all that happens now. And so let's pray. Lord, thank you as we open up this altar for your praying church, for people that need you. We pray, oh God, that we would recognize what's going on in our heart and mind right now. And Lord, that we would simply respond to it the best way we know how, to have a conversation. Lord, to right now, just before you, right there in our pew, to pour our heart out to you. 
Lord, to, to tell you we're sorry for our sin, to ask you for forgiveness, to call upon your name, Jesus, to be saved for the first time. Lord, if we need to be baptized, if we, if we need to join the church and stop going to different places, we need to drop anchor, we need to, we need to be a part of this place, I pray that that's what we do. Lord, just whatever our next step is, I pray, oh God, that we would respond in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you.